Welcome to the Gym Session, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to chat all things football with your host, Jimmy Sabo. Hello and welcome to the Gym Session. My name is Jimmy Zabo and I'm here thanks to Sportsmate Mobile, TLA and the Footy Live app. We are still in lockdown here in Melbourne, so I've got another different sort of podcast once again, especially today. Uh, we were scheduled to have Mark Robinson on the podcast, but due to the big news of this morning, we've had to reschedule him for next week, so stay tuned for that. Today, we've just got the Monday review panel on a Wednesday, and why wouldn't you be excited about that? Because I certainly am. This morning, we just learned we will now get out of lockdown here in Melbourne, uh, but also Nathan Buckley has stepped down as Collingwood coach and his last game in charge is coming up on Monday in the Queen's birthday clash with the D's uh, assistant coach, Robert Harvey will take over as interim coach for the remainder of the season. If you want to stay up to date with all the news, download the footy live app. Now, not only is there breaking news, there is all the stats, scores, highlights, opinions, and podcasts you could ever ask for. I tell you what, you know, you're in Melbourne boys when on SCN, they take the Nathan Buckley press conference ahead of James Molino's who's announcing that we're coming out of lockdown. I introduce you boys. Uh, I want to ask you though, first off, what are your impressions of this uh, manic morning we've had? Shocking. It's a bit unexpected, to be honest. I mean, it's unexpected for everyone. Um, It was probably going to happen anyway, but like I said a couple of weeks ago, I think on the podcast, um, I wasn't expecting it to happen until the end of the season. For it to come out uh, the week of the Queen's birthday clash, I thought was a bit surprising. But, you know, it is what it is. And, look, yeah, it was probably imminent in the end. Gordo. It is a bit odd considering the messaging from Bucks for the rest of the year, but maybe he just woke up today, saw it was a grey and rainy day and been like, you know what, I can't be bothered doing anymore? He's going to work. I just can't be stuffed. So I've had enough. <laughs> Who could blame him? He's he been through a bit. Him. He's been through a fair bit. And it was well, they said it was, you know, ongoing conversation for what was it, a few months about that between the five of them and it didn't have anything to do with the new board, but um, he did admit that it did take its toll a little bit and it was um, exhausting, as you could imagine. I mean, there's speculation um, day in, day out at Collingwood, especially when the win-loss record is is how it was. There is a bit of a sadness, though, about it when you did hear the news because I don't know if you consider him an unfulfilled coach, but he didn't win the flag. Um, and that's something that the Pies, you know, whole community wanted him to be rewarded with. That is sad and it's... it's um, I mean, Tony Jones asked the question early on at the press, didn't he? What what should the headline be? That he was tapped on the shoulder, or Bucks wanted to to go himself? And and Buckley, in his in his usual style, just said, "Oh, you can make your own mind up on that." But do you boys think that it was more the club um, tapping him on the shoulder and saying, "Maybe time this is the time to go out"? You just had a big win, go out on top, or do you think it was Bucks saying, like you said, "I can't be stuffed going into work anymore." Maybe this is the right time. Not that's a, that's an um, exaggeration, but he might have said it's best best interest of the club if I leave now. What do you boys think? I think he said it in the press conference. He said that the club should be looking for someone that wants to be around for the next five to ten years, mm. and he couldn't guarantee them that he would be capable of doing like making that commitment. So obviously, I think he was always pretty keen to keep coaching this year. But if they were like, well, it has to be another five or go right now, then perhaps he'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I'll, yeah. I'll go before the buy. Like we'll go to the buy and then we'll start next year now. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of the case. Is I think, I think there is no, maybe there is, knowing it's Collingwood's, so there probably is a tell-all book in this. But uh, I think it is probably just adult conversations and 
two people being like, yep, I've been here for 10 years. I've enjoyed my time. We didn't quite get the trophy we wanted, but now it's time to have a fresh start. That's probably all there is to it, really. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Gordon. I think there was no lies told when he, when he said it was uh, mutually agreed uh, to part ways. So, yeah, I mean, I guess there's no point really uh, dragging it on until the end of the season. If Collingwood is serious about this rebuild, it may as well happen as soon as possible. They may as well, you know, um, move Bucks on. Um, he probably thought it was the right time to as well. I mean, where does the motivation come from from his perspective to show up to work every day when he knows he's not going to be there next year, unlike the Essendon situation last year with um, uh, Worsfold. So, yeah, I guess the buy rounds, it's pro- it probably makes sense in the end. Yeah, I think it's unfair to speculate, but I do always feel that, you know, what's told in a press day is not always the 100% truth. I had a feeling, a gut feel that Bucks would have liked to at least coach the year out um, and make it his full call that I'm going to do everything I can to set these guys up for the future and I'm going to take the rest of the season. Um, and judging by what he said in the, in the past weeks, that's how I um, I imagined it. So it was a shock for me and I think it was more of the club saying, I think this is the time to go. And like you said, Gordon, it could have been, yeah, you're here for the next few years. Uh, if not, then then go now so we can start looking. But I think he would have rather... Um, coached out the season but there you go well uh, this story will evolve as we know there will be things uh, coming out in the coming days and we will speak about on the sports media microscope I'm sure on Friday Gordo so I'll get ready for that Um, I'll ask you a last one before we get to the uh, the heroes and and the rounds I want you what will Bucks be remembered for well I think Collingwood's best season was obviously 2018 That, that that was the highlight of his tenure at Collingwood so probably that uh knocking off Richmond in the prelim and yeah like you said they they came within a kick of winning the premiership so although a flag has always eluded him in his playing career and coaching career I think that was hands down his highlight so yeah yeah got it there there is a fitting romance to the Nathan Buckley story as I said like he didn't get like he multiple grand finals as a player with Collingwood. He won a Norm Smith in a losing grand final. And then he's a kick away from winning one as a coach in 2018. There's a, it, it almost seems fitting for his legacy that he didn't get one. Like it'd be almost too fairy tale, too Friday Night Lights <laughs> if, he, if he wins one. Like just from a sports writing point of view. I think yeah. if he remembered as a, as a coach, I'll be interested to know if, if like Woke Bucks is the lasting legacy. Because up until 2018, it was very much my way or the highway, gruff, angry bucks, quite astute, quite smart, pretty good in the media, very good tactically and analytically, but probably didn't have the players. And then he had his couple of woke years and then he had this year, which was always going to be messy because he was coming to the talent of, of a, uh, a contract. So that will be confusing. But I hope we remember Bucks the player more than Bucks the coach. That's what I hope because mm. Bucks the player is up there with, you know, top six midfielders of all time. Yeah, I think he'll be remembered for a, a strong leader and he always stuck up for his boys no matter what in the media. And he did. There was relationships that were harmed in the media because of stories released about his players sometimes and he will always go into bat for his boys. So I think a, he's a Collingwood legend who who did whatever he could to get the best for the club. So I think he'll, in the long term he's remembered as a as a champ. And maybe, like you said, maybe it is a positive that he never got that, that premiership because you think he was there no matter what. 
in the tough times and the good times, even though it didn't lead to the uh, eventual premiership. Like like uh, Richo in a way, although he got a lot closer than Richo did. Um, yeah. There you go. Hey, on the round uh, just past, there was a heap of talking points, even though we didn't have all teams. We had six games rather than nine. Gordo, who was your hero on the weekend? My hero. Seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? It does. I was like, <laughs> football was played? What are you talking yeah. about? My hero is uh, Christian Petrarca. I've really enjoyed watching him play football this year. And it's maybe it's just the fact that now that we're getting coming out of lockdown, I'm just pro Melbourne everything. I'm pro Melbourne freedom. It's very odd, isn't it? I'm pro Melbourne football club. I'm just pro happy stories. It's a happy story because like this guy came in a couple of seasons ago. He had his, he had his breakout season. Everyone's like, yes, Petrarca, how good. And then he kind of middled off. It was still exceptional but he didn't have that like full-on gonna be a Brownlow medalist gonna be a grand finalist gonna win a premiership he didn't quite make that and now this year he's putting together a portfolio of work week in week out well he is not only putting up huge numbers but he's also doing it when it matters he's having influence on games in those moments and he's not shirking from them he's now a player that seems to say along with the Max Gorns of that club saying yep jump on my shoulders it's there to be one and I'm gonna win it for you boys and that's Basically, what he what he did Friday night, if we can remember that far back, uh, <laughs> against the Lions in another away game. So yeah, I've been watching him so closely recently. Maybe because they're they're winning, obviously. But he he's an, a phenomenal player. And that um, who compared him to Dusty was it last year or the year before? Um, and I thought, no way, he's got a long way to go. I tell you what, it's not that far fetched anymore when you see his explosiveness out of packs and like you said when his team needs him he's there and he kept them in it in the first half when they played poor footy and he's one of the reasons why demons can play poorish football and still be in a contest because of guys like him nico who's your hero from the weekend well a bit of positive news for collingwood if in case anyone's forgotten is they did win on the weekend and jamie elliott was their star man kicking six straight goals so he was my hero and, yeah, it came on a weekend where we saw the best and the worst for goal kicking, with the worst being Jack Higgins kicking one goal six and costing, costing him and his team uh, the win in a close contest, but still somehow managed praise for it, which I wasn't too sure about. Like, he, he received the um, well, he should. the trainer of the match, which is like he was the best, best He was their best player, Nico. He was their best he player. He wasn't because at the end of the day, bad kicking is bad football, mate. And 14% <laughs> goal accuracy in front of goal. Mate, Get his best game for the Saints mate, and he was inaccurate. If you had 30 disposals at 14% efficiency, that's four effective touches. Would you be willing to give a player man of the match for that? The most impressive thing about that was he had the uh, the wobbles in front of goal, and he still went out and took those those crucial marks at those times and said, "I'm going to try and do it anyway." It doesn't matter. He missed. He still was the the player of the match, Nico. Anyway, stick on Jamie Elliott. Yeah, and then Jamie (laughs) Elliott on the other end of the spectrum, six straight goals, and shows how it's done. And in a game where inaccuracy could have very easily cost Collingwood, he was the one in front of goal that was kicking them and they won the game and it was an important game for the Pies and uh, regardless of the Buckley news this morning they still would have loved to win and they got it thanks to him and yeah uh, I think he deserves the spotlight this weekend he definitely does six goals straight as you mentioned and first game back since round two how's that for a return since uh, having a fractured leg and he comes in and does that immediately 
And, you know, I listened to Bucks in the in the post-match presser and he said the messages were exactly the same. He told the players it was exactly the same as the week before. I find it hard to believe because they were playing more direct and it does help when you've got a forward who can actually – he's playing like a key forward um, and he's taking marks and kicking straight. Um, it's a lot of positive signs there for the Pies when you've got guys that can actually kick goals. Um, Gordo, what was your highlight? We'll be back after a quick break. My highlight is the real deal demons. It's, oh, you haven't got very demons doubled up. Oh, double gosh. up demons, mate. Yeah. I, I, and part of this is maybe me trying to, you know, get some tickets at the back of the bus because I jumped off this bandwagon a you long, long time off. ago. Yeah, you did. A long, long time and, ago. Uh, you you dropped them last week. You were still round four. You were jumping off them. Round five. Um, two <laughs> seasons ago, mate. They had to do a lot to win me over and they've done just that. And the thing is, is that these are not the demons of old. And this is the part where I find it funny. Like you said, Buck's message didn't change to the players. Mm. His message probably didn't change. The players probably changed. The players have probably been trying to play like that all year. And then they actually get a forward back. You can kick straight, as Nico's pointed out. And that's pretty important, apparently, as, as the analysis was there. And so then when that happens, you, you play better football. And these Melbourne players have not really changed that much. They've got a couple of different players in at different ends of the field, but by and large, the actual engine room is exactly the same as it has been for the last four seasons. And this is the year that they've finally worked out how to play as a unit. And they say that like Petrarca said after the game, you know, we've been practicing this defensive structure for four years. I don't know how, how hard it is to, to learn that over four years. Would have hoped maybe it'd be a bit quicker than what they've done, but they're doing it now. And they're doing things that I would have always thought that would never do. Like being trailing to um, Brisbane away Old Melbourne would have lost that game. Old Melbourne would have said, too hard. We can't do it. In the lifeboat. Job done. We'll win next week. We'll still finish top four. New Melbourne said, no, this is lime in the sand. Like 11 and one is where we want to be. We want to go undefeated for the rest of the year. We want to win this thing. And they did it. And so it's, it's super, super impressive to see a club be all in. And it's, and it's nice to kind of feel like, well, actually, there's, there's more than one club that can do it. It's not just Richmond mentality. It's not just, you know, that's not the only blueprint. Now there's another club saying, actually, no, we're genuine contenders every week, not just, you know, in like four or five weeks to come. So yeah. I just that really it's impressive. a sign of a good team as well when, um, when, when you're not playing your best footy, but you can still win and win convincingly as well. Mm. And they've done that against all of the top six teams besides Port Adelaide, who I don't think they've played yet. So yeah. Um, yeah. They're, Bloody looking good. Yeah, the most impressive thing from my point of view was at half time they're, they're trailing, but Simon Goodwin didn't panic. He didn't throw the magnets around and try something new. He just simply said, "Hey, do what you're doing, but do it better." And they did. So these and some people go, "Oh, you're mentioning stats too much." It's, you know, we can't relate. Relate to this, right? Contested possession differential in the first half minus 11. Second half plus 16. Clearance differential minus 18. First half plus 10 
in the second half. Last one, inside 50 differential, minus 14 first half, plus 17. That is flipped completely on its head. And it wasn't flipping the magnets. It was literally saying, do what you're doing, but do it better. And Clayton Mm. Oliver, the engine room that have been there, like you said, Gordo, they took it upon themselves to say, we're going to change this game. And that's what they did. They were playing boring footy, Petrarca said in the first quarter, in the first half. They changed it. Brilliant. A lot of positivity there. Uh, Keep it going, Nico. What was your highlight? The highlight was the Dreamtime game in Perth. Like, what a spectacle that was to watch at Optus Stadium. Um, they put on quite the show. Uh, I don't even think the television did it justice because the comments I read on Twitter and on social media, it was just all about how loud it was uh, for the fans that were there. And it, it's it's two Victorian teams playing in Perth. So hats off to them. They know how to put on a show and I can't help but think uh, what could have been if last year's grand final was played there. I think it's a wasted opportunity that they went to the Gabba in all honesty, had to be at Optus Stadium. And the sad thing is, is we probably won't get that opportunity ever again or for at least the next 50 years. So yeah, yeah that well was more about, to, you know, that, right. Sorry. That was more about rewarding. I think the Queensland government for allowing the competition to continue when yeah. Western Australia said no. Yeah, I understand that. But still, uh, in terms of putting on a show and yep. putting on a spectacle for the fans, I think Optus Stadium was the only the only choice, really. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Fantastic. Um, I still think that the Dream Tom should stay in Melbourne uh, in the long term and not be shared around. But uh, it was a fantastic spectacle. And if a grand final ever had to be played anywhere else, which fingers crossed it doesn't, uh, that would be the stadium for sure, Nico. I agree. Gordo, what was your low light? of the weekend my low light should just be like a lack of football the buy round suck six games not enough because you you start blowing up stories that don't actually exist and that happened on the uh, weekend our our dear friend tom morris who you know is a competitive competitive uh journalist in our eyes and so he is our enemy but uh he wrote a story that's pretty silly about tom mitchell basically the this Tom Mitchell wants to go to Richmond. If you actually read the article, it's not Tom Mitchell wants to go to, wants to go to Richmond. It's if Richmond could pay him lots and lots of money and Hawthorne didn't want to keep him around so they could do a list rebuild and there was space on the roster and he wasn't injured and there's still in the premiership window, then Tom Mitchell would consider moving to Richmond. It's like, yeah, like if Joe Rogan said to you, Jimmy Sabo, Uh, have all of my followers and just do a daily show on my feed, you would probably say yes as well. Well, It's probably not going to happen. No, he asked me and I said no. But Gordo. Loyalty. In fact, loyalty. In fact, uh, well, I want to ask you this, right? Um, So you think that Tom Morris has just picked out Richmond as a random team who's got picks in in, in first-round picks rather than actually people from Richmond or sources telling him, hey, we might be interested, but not revealing them and maybe – speaking to sources close to Tom Mitchell who might say, hey, I might like to go to Richmond, but not revealing them because we know Gianos don't like to reveal their sources because then they won't get any more stories from them. Well, here is the Tom Morris quote. Morris explained on Monday night that no one is physically driving this trade, but Tom yeah, Mitchell, the one that would be happy to go to Hawthorne, came to him and said, what do you think about this? At the end of the year, I anticipate that's a good chance to happen. Mm. It's, it's just filler. It's just filler. Okay. Let's so just there's no reading between the lines here. It's just filler. 
It's just filler. Okay. It's just if Spuds maybe did for Fagazi. Tom Mitchell, that is. Uh, yeah, he doesn't want Tom Mitchell at Richmond. <laughs> well, I'll, that's a good one. I, I, I know, and we've we've spoken about this on the sports media microscope. Is that when the buy rounds come, when there's nothing else to talk about, odd articles pop up out of nowhere. Nico, as a Hawthorne spokesperson and a one-eyed fan, um, would you be happy to let go of Tom Mitchell at the right price? At the right price, yeah, as yes. in one Definitely. first round pick, maybe two. Ooh. It has to be a two for one, but yes, <laughs> I, I think everyone besides from Will Day is maybe an option to be traded at Hawthorne at the moment, um, especially in the midfield. Like, there's so much dysfunction going on in the midfield. Like, all the players, like O'Meara, Mitchell, Warple, individually, they're good players, but they don't work together. They're all the same type. So something has to give. Uh, I think something, whether it's a trade, actually, yeah, I think it, I think a trade for one of those three will have to happen. And if you had to give me the choice, um, it would probably have to be Mitchell. Mm. So Richmond will take Richmond will take uh, Mitchell Wingard uh, Kazitsky and will give you pick twelve. How's that? Yeah, I don't think so. Mate. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but then to flip it on, you, I flip it on the head here, Jimmy. You're the yeah. one-eyed Richmond fan of the podcast. One-eyed. Even, wow. Do you even do you even that's, want that's... Tom Mitchell? Well, Mitchell would have to change his style, wouldn't he? There's not a lot of backwards handballing. Um, midfielders yeah. at Richmond it's a different style but he could develop of course I mean you know it's not just he plays that way because he has to it at um at Hawthorne I think you know a, a midfielder like him in the Richmond system would be fantastic I'd love to have Mitchell at the club but I wouldn't want to give away two first round picks to be fair one yes one you can have it Richmond's got 12 15 they've got 22 as well so something it would have to be a first rounder and maybe a second rounder two first rounders ideal but it has to be a two for one deal yeah maybe it's interesting it's food for thought and it it took up some of our time on this podcast so it worked the article uh your (laughs) nick what was your low light um i'm gonna go back down this track again while the stadium of optus yeah while optus stadium was a spectacle to behold on saturday night you One thing that the wasn't umpires. Oh, yeah? was the umpires. Oh, it left the go. occasion down. It was a low light. <laughs> and everyone was on board with it as well, mind you. So don't so don't get your pitchforks out on me. No, but you, you know I haven't been <laughs> sharing my opinion on holding the ball in recent no, years. Well, this year's gone to a new level and you can't deny that. Um, Saturday night's non-call against Jake Arts was possibly the worst of the lot and the most blatant I've ever seen. You can't even blame the AFL for it. You can't blame the umpiring department for that. That is not a confusion of the rule. That is simply not paying holding the ball uh, when it was due. Like any day of the year, uh, any day of the bloody century, that is holding the ball. Uh, And the umpire was right in front of it as well. So it's time to start making them accountable. And the funny thing is as well, is when Al Clarkson brought this up, was it last year or the year before in a yeah. presser? He was smashed for his comments. He was criticised, called, was he? Sook, called was he? out for making excuses. Was he? Well, now it seems like everyone is starting to realise the issue we have. So um, surprise, surprise, the genius coach was right all along. Oh, yeah, there you go. Hey, Nico, well, you're spot on. It was it was disgraceful. And we wrote about this on Monday, Gordo, because uh, it, it was horrible. We're hoping it's a one-off because the last few weeks, it looked like they've got it right. 
they're holding the ball. It got back to normal, got back to actually holding the ball. Incorrect disposal, pay the free kick. But there was too many on Saturday. My God, that was horrible. Even Dusty Martin stopped in his tracks, thought it was a free kick to Essendon. It was, uh, no, it was shocking. That's not why they lost the game, by the way, the Dons. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. No, no, just, um, just some people weren't clear on that on social media. They gave away 103 points from turnovers and I'm blaming the umps. But no, it was, uh, it was a horrific display of umpiring. Something that's not horrific is when we get contribution from our listeners. And they've got some questions for us this week. And I've got some questions for you as well, boys. First one from Dario Casale, who contributes every week. What a champion, right? He wanted to mention, he said, were Carlton the biggest disappointment of the weekend? Boys, were they? So so this is where I I don't understand the Carlton outrage. Again, there's only six, there's only six games, there's only uh, six games, so there's limited (laughs) limited teams to, to bash up. And they've been saved by Bucks. Maybe, maybe actually they rang up Bucks and said, can you resign this week so we get off the hook? But, like, we did not have them in our top eight this year, did we? We didn't, no. No, but the no. fans did. Their fans had and their the fans, And the fans are fine. That's fine. That's fine. But yeah. it's not fueled by the fans. It's fueled by the media who is criticising Carlton for not being further advanced than they are. I They're still... exactly where we thought they were going to be. Like, they no, didn't I, beat I a top eight. I, I they think... didn't beat a top eight side. Yeah, but the West top, you've got to take top it. eight. I know, but you've got to look at that's the thing, right? You've, you've got to look at who they were playing. They were playing a side who's missing McGovern, Allen, Kennedy, Kelly, Shuey, Duggan, Brander. They can't travel. They haven't won at that stadium for 22 years. There is one single moment you go, Carlton, for all these years, to one shred of evidence that you've improved, win this game. And they give up the first three goals of the game and show no fight, no contested uh, intent. It was horrific. It was disgraceful. Um, and, and, that it was was expected. Disp- and it was oh, expected. And it was expected. Expected by us because we, at the start of the season, I we you said expected by us. You said expected by us. Sorry, did you say yeah. expected by us? Expected by us. It, it yeah, was. Okay. I thought you, so. You're <laughs> confusing me now. But at the start of the Doesn't season, we didn't have them in our top eight because we knew this would happen. We know yeah. what Carlton was like. But from a fan's perspective, um, they, they they brought in the club brought in two uh, star players in Zach Williams and Adam Saad. Their, their team was primed to make finals. Paddy Cripps is in his prime. Sam Walsh is in his third year. You've got Harry Mackay. There's good enough players there to take this side into the top eight, and they're not playing like a top eight side, which is worrying. And where are they now? Fourth or fifth last? Um, they're, they're a good enough side to have to be in a top eight by their by their players, but their players willing to do the things that you need to do to be a top eight side. So Adam Saad left Essendon because he wanted certain types of game styles and game roles and didn't want to run two ways, basically. And now Essendon's taught themselves how to defend and attack and can, you know, shake it up against sides like Richmond. Meanwhile, Carlton's all, everyone's in the lifeboat. Everyone wants a stat. Everyone wants to, to pad their, their contracts and their KPIs, but they don't win for games of football. And so exactly. like, well, they, then they you got to have... question the coach. You got to well, question the coach. But what about the players? Like it's who they're bringing in. Like it's not just the coach. It has to be the list. It's the whole thing. The review for once mm. is, is worthwhile because the whole thing's sick. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's confusing. You can't, you can't bring in these, like, outside runners and expect them to win their own football and defend hard when they haven't done it anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, they've tried to fix up attack, I guess. But when you when you go minus 25 in contested possession against the worst pressure side in the AFL, 
it, mm. it says a lot when when yeah. your coach's career is almost on the line as well. Now this um, review has already John Barker's left after ten years. It looks like it's going to be a clear up clear out of the football department and everyone around Teague. So, mm. you know, my thoughts are if, if you can, I mean, I try to read into a little bit and, and Mark Leduja is saying that the coach is safe, but then, then again, he's not going to be president there next year, is he either? So it's a bit of an odd one, but um, no, this was, I didn't expect him to be this poor. This, this really, this set a new low for me. And there's well, there wasn't much lower to go, but <laughs> it definitely went there. Uh, Matt Carafa. He asked a question and he wrote Matt Carafa from Oakley and it's the only listener ever to mention this suburb. So thanks for that, Matt. Uh, if you had to lose Cripps, Mackay or Walsh, who would you lose? And that's in regard to fitting everyone in the salary cap. So if you were forced to, why is, why is Gordo giggling? Cripps. Why is Gordo giggling? I don't know. <laughs> uh, why do they have to lose any of them? No, if they had to fit everyone in their salary cap. So if this is like, how can you, this is the part where, like, how do they expect to get paid when they've played like this this year? Well, that's like, the thing because we, they're all expecting if we only money. If we only turned up to do half our jobs, we can't go around to our bosses and go, I'd like a pay rise, please. I've tried They'd it. be like, no, no we've, <laughs> we, we've, we, finished, we finished outside the eight, even though you brought us in and drafted us and made us captain so that we go off and play yeah, finals. But that's, football. we know Gordo. Just we take know, what you're given. There's no logic. Like we know that's how it works is to go, Hey, I've performed like this. This is what I want. If they all put their hand out, you know, Cripps is 26, Mackay's 23. Well, she's what, 20 years old. If they put their hands out and go, Hey, we want big bucks. If you had to keep two yeah. of them. Cripps. You lose Cripps. Yeah. You keep Mackay, you keep Walsh. Yeah, Gordo. They're the two most valuable for sure. You can't lose Crips. I reckon if you lose Crips, you lose the playing group. <laughs> you reckon? All right. Out of those, I see. Yeah, you could. You'd lose Crips. I'd put Crips out because you want um, consistent performers and and players that you can build around at all three parts of the park. So in forward, you've got Mackay, who's twenty three. Heaps of potential. Not a consistent, that's potential, not consistent performance. No, he's consistent. Yeah, like, he's consistent. Walsh is, yeah, Walsh is in Walsh is a better player than Crips. So I'd keep Walsh, and he's only 20 years old as well. I would keep him there. And then you've got in the back, you've got your weedering, whatever. You've got your three pillars, let's say. Crips could go, and you could get some draft picks for him if you want, or you could get it at, you know other players that it can contribute. Who knows? But if I had to lose one of them, it'd be Crips. Uh, unfortunate because I picked him to win the Brownlow this year, my, my prediction <laughs> pre-season. And now um, you're shooting him off halfway through the year. I am. I am. He's let me down, unfortunately. I mean, he's had back injuries as well, we know. But you'd like to see him perform a little bit more consistently and, and show something, mate. I mean, they and needed a contestant piece on the injured? weekend. Why is he playing if he's Well, injured? apparently he's over that story was Apparently true, he's past it. Yeah, and it, it's um. Hey, just on that right with with Mackay, right, this is an odd, odd question, right? So he's kicked thirty eight goals this season. Um, would you have him as the All Australian full forward? Because you've still got Tex, Darling, Hawkins, McDonald, who haven't kicked as many goals, but they haven't been targeted near near as many times as as Mackay. He's been targeted one hundred and thirty one times, and he's only produced four score assists when you compare that to Hawkins who's had 20 score assists as well as his 25 goals is he still the the, the best performing full forward in in your opinion Mackay? well it depends on how we how we pick these sides if it's a side if you're picking like you had all the players to pick one football team to win a game of football absolutely not there are better key forwards than Harry McCann in competition mm. but statistically speaking he's 
he's outranking everyone else, so therefore he has to be picked. On goals, he is, yeah. So you can, the Coleman medal winner, you've got to have him halfway through. Well, it just seems that that seems to be the rules of the, of the All-Australian yeah. selection. The same to like, win a game, to win a game, who would you pick out? Absolutely Tex, not. Tex, Darling, Hawkins, McDonald, or Mackay? Who would you who would you pick? Based on this year's form, probably Tex Walker. Yeah, well, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? No, Hawkins. No, yeah, that's right. I, I thought Tex first based on this year, but I would Hawkins because he does a lot of selfless things that aren't seen. So like mm. I said, 20, 20 score assists along with his 25 goals. He's bit, you know, so. Um, but that's yeah. the same thing with, um, you know, Darcy Parrish all year. The media's like, get him in the middle, get him in the middle. He's a midfielder, get him in the middle. And then this week after his great game on the weekend, they squeeze him on the forward flank for the rolling all Australian team. Oh, did they? Well, there you go. I didn't see the role so like, Australian team. <laughs> so the, the yeah, well, it's because yeah, you, you sure. had better things to do with your life. Like, I had yeah, I had a lot of better things to do. I had a busy week. Um, you know who didn't have a busy week was all the teams that are going to have the buy this week because they had uh, some time off. One of them is Brisbane, right? And Brisbane on do they have the buy this week? <laughs> I think they, they probably do. They, they do. Yeah, I was just trying to work yeah, out. Yeah, we're the keeping that going. no because because God, I was looking at me weirdly. <laughs> They do have the buy this week, so I got a right on yeah. it. Keep it in, all right. Um, but they'll be—they might look into something that happened on the weekend because I did, and so did Luke Hodge, right? So Zach Bailey—he kicked an incredible goal, his second goal in the twentieth minute, twentieth minute of the opening term, and he injured himself in the process. Great goal off the ground, fantastic. Luke Hodge said, "I picked it up as well." He goes, "What concerned me about the Lions was only two or three teammates went up to him, and the rest jogged off. If it's a goal like that, and you're up and about." You get to your teammate, especially when he looks like he's hurt himself, when you put your body on the line like that. Is that something that worries you or that's just a non-issue? Non-issue for mine. Okay, but Nico? Yeah, it probably wouldn't worry me. No. For me, little things have, have changed culture. So when you look at Richmond and Melbourne, they like to celebrate the little things, being selfless, right? And you can see that. Uh, grow in that culture and it's all about the other players every time richmond or melbourne kick a goal you watch the amount of teammates that get up to them seeing the lions do that in the first i tipped melbourne so i thought oh maybe that's a little sign that's a little sign now they've developed a hard you know non no nonsense approach it's given a new edge this season maybe something they're lacking is a bit of selflessness i don't know it was just something small so i'd keep your eye on that because I think those little things make a difference. One thing, um, when I was in local 40, right, and we were playing, we made a rule that every time there's a contest, you get tackled, you're in a pack, you go and pick your teammate up. And just little things like that all add up, I think. So that was a little yeah. worry for mine. Maybe it's not, but we'll see. Gordo, watch this, this is, space. Watch your space. This is one for you, Gordo, especially, but Nick, you answer as well. Is Fremantle a top eight side without their injuries? Now, on the weekend, we saw... In the space of like five minutes, Fife dislocates his shoulder. Brennan Cox um, does his hammy. Sean Darcy does his hammy. And they've got a, a massive, massive list of injuries. They've played some good footy. I tell you what, if they didn't have those injuries, are they a top eight side? Because you picked them in the top eight, Gordo. Yeah, but they're not a top eight side because they've already lost the games that they shouldn't have lost this year. Like the close game against Essendon, games at home when they get beaten up. Like games that games that when they get beat up by poor by like 40 plus points, it's like mm. if you can't lose those games and then still be considering yourself a top eight side. So mm. we understand injuries happen and they were in with a sniff. They were in with a sniff against the dogs. And then the dogs are a top two side and they proved their point. And the injuries didn't help. And I understand all that. But Freeman have disappointed me. Freeman have disappointed me more than Carlton has <laughs> disappointed me this year. 
Yeah, this isn't the first time um, Fremantle have had their injury crises as well. So, like, like when you when you um, when a team has an achievement like make finals or win a premiership, it's not just the on-field players that you, you know. It's not it's not their full reward. It's the reward of yeah, the players, the coaches, and also the football department and all the staff as well. And you've got a question now the the doctors or the the fitness staff at Fremantle surely because I mean Fife has had at least an injury or two every single season of his career now so what the, the hell's going on down there hey it's a, it's a good point I'll tell you what because normally I think you're a lunatic when you say things like this but I, there's been a lot of chatter Nico about the training track at Coburn where they train they reckon the surface is that hard that it, the players are just sore. They can't train to the extent where they where they should, and the surfaces and the um, the facilities at Coburn aren't up to scratch. That's what that's what I've heard from people. The chatters around. I don't know if there's anything in in that, but right, well, that, that might, it, it just it adds up. Well, well, given given the fact that I know who you've been talking to, Jimmy, there's obviously a little bit in that. But <laughs> but then you, then you have to ask like, why didn't they just change their ground? Like Melbourne trains in a literal paddock. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I don't like, know. I don't. You don't know, need to I, train at your home facility or where your HQ is based. You can just go train at any football. Yeah, game. It's, yeah. Maybe I'm not sure. Just, to be I honest, feel like that, it's an ongoing. It is an ongoing is issue. You're spot on. Um, the only other thing is they need to fix up their accuracy because that's what cost them as well, Gordo. I think only wait in ten of their twelve games they've kicked more behinds than goals. So they fix up those a couple of things. They're not too far off, but you just want them to get a good run at injuries because it's just hampered them so much. And they're playing some mm. good footy. I really love what Justin Longmuir is doing there. So we'll see. Maybe next year you'll get the tip right and they will make the eight, Gordo. We'll see. No, next uh, year will be top four. That, oh, top four. Jump, True. Yes, you know? yeah, that yeah. jump. So, uh, boys, Essendon's Nick Cox, he received his uh, Rising Star nomination finally. Finally. Uh, is he your tip to win it, the Rising Star, Nick Cox? Mm. Depends if they keep playing in the ruck or not. <laughs> yeah, they probably should not do that and just protect yeah. him a little he'll, bit till he'll, his he'll body. Die if he stays there. Well, he's not. He's ha- he's got to put on a little bit more muscle and weight, doesn't he? Yeah, Nico. And oh, I, think, I think he's been oh, sorry. sorry. No, no, no. Again. Yeah, I, th- I think he's being praised a lot. Like he's a, don't get me wrong. He's he's a he's a star kid. He's going to be a great talent, no doubt about it. But I think a lot, this year. He's been praised a lot for um, just regular football acts. I think commentators like to blow him up a lot. Like he, he just kicks it and they might call him, oh, what a, what a talent he is, uh, 200 centimetres tall. They mentioned it like, I don't know, could be a drinking game. They mentioned it like 50 times a game. And look, he is a great talent, but I don't think he's been as good as some of the other guys out there. I think like Powell from North Melbourne, he's consistently been good. I think Jordan from Melbourne is... Oh, his impact, his immediate impact has been incredible, but these guys don't get the recognition of, and it's, it's no fault to Nick Cox. The poor kid is just trying to play his footy. It's, it's just the media doing what they love to do best and just blowing up. N- not, nothing stories really. So I go on James, you're laughing. No, I was laughing Maybe. because you, I liked it when you said commentators like to blow Cox. Um, it's, it's good. <laughs> but um, there's a, 
I don't know, because for a player to play with that kind of composure that he does um, at a young age, I think is, is extremely impressive. So maybe they blow yeah. it up a little bit, but I, I really think he's a good shout to, to get the rising star. And I think they waited to give him his nomination because they knew that he's he's going to build up consistent games. So there's going to be another game, another opportunity to nominate him. But I also like Tom Green um, and Matt Rowell. Don't forget, he might come back this week. So I think he's fit to play and he's still eligible. So Matt Rowell might take it, but there's been others, like you mentioned, even Trent Rivers, who's been in the back and he's an unsung hero for Melbourne. So there's a lot of uh, young stars there. Um, my tip, um, I'm going to go Matt Rowell. He'll, he'll, stick with Rowell. I'll stick with Rowell. Watch the end of the season. Watch when now he's back fit. If he can last more than one game, look at him come home. Um, gut feel tips, guys, to end off. Okay, another six games for us to enjoy this week in South Australia, Queensland, Tasmania, and New South Wales. All right, Port v seven games. As I said, seven games this week as Gordo corrects me. Uh, Port v Geelong. Nico? Oh, am I going first? <laughs> Sorry, I'll go, I'll go Port. They like playing on their home deck. Hard to beat over there. I'm going to go Geelong. They're due a bit of a statement game. They've been flying under the radar, casually just sitting in third spot. Time to make some noise. Mm. Every single season, I've bloody tipped Geelong after the buy and they've let me down. So my gut feel is I'm tipping port. <laughs> oh, I'm swapping back. I'm swapping back. You remember they don't that do little, after the buy. They That's don't right. Do they well. suck after the buy. That was my Port, by, port by 60. <laughs> That's right. I'm tipping port. Swans v Hawthorne. Swans. <laughs> swans, swans, swans. Yeah. Swans and buddy to kick 11. Yep, Frio yeah. v Gold Coast. Yeah, it's oh, Fremantle Frio. with a lot of injuries. Nah, Frio. Don't forget. Don't forget. No, I'm going with the Suns with many Rao back. I'm going with the Suns. They get a couple back Fremantle, but they've got some key injuries. I'll tell you what, I might be tipping the Suns in this. They're due for a wins, uh, Gold Coast. We've been saying that. I'd be whole... mightily impressed if the Gold Coast Suns can win over in the West. There you go. St. Kilda v Adelaide. Adelaide because St Kilda are struggling to put a big team together, so I'll go with the Crows. Got it. Yeah, yeah, and it's up at Kazali, so neutral ground. Give it to the Crows, I suppose. Yeah, neutral ground. <laughs> the Crows are, are playing the Crows. okay, but only, com- only compared to like I might their change that one. Disgusting selves. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. change that. I might change that one. North v GWS in Tassie. GWS. Yeah, Giants by plenty. West Coast Eagles v Richmond at Optus Stadium. Eagles over there at Optus. And they're coming off, you know, a good win. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I'll go for the Eagles. The Eagles that are missing, what, 28 players? They're playing at home, mate. They're playing at home. They beat a top eight side. (laughs) Without without those players. Courageous win against the Blues. It gave up a three-quarter time. Yeah, great. Great win. They ended their SEG drought. That's true. Gordo's the only person I've ever met to get angry at somebody else's tip. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see, I guess. That's just my gut feel. How dare you? How dare you tip them, you prick? Um, I'm going the Tigers. (laughs) Yeah, Tigers. Tigers. (laughs) Go the Tigers. On that note, boys. Oh, the Monday game. Sorry, that's the seventh. Yeah, jeez, I've been. And I've got my big freeze being right Oh, here. true. I didn't even put that. I almost you forgot. the biggest hey, game of the year. I know the biggest game of the year, and I've also ordered my beanie. It's coming Thursday. I've ordered two. 
Lovely. Yeah. It's extra warm. No, one's for my girlfriend. They um, are. They are quite warm. Do you reckon the uh, the pies will get up for this in Bucks's last game? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why not? There is it's always good. that. Gee, I'm surprised Gordo's jumping on this. He's not usually one for the spiritual. Uh, yeah, not usually. But Bucks is a different beast. This isn't just any coach retiring. This is a club champion. Mm. If they have, if if you know, if they do stand side by side, if they even have an ounce of pride in one of the biggest football clubs not only in Australia but the world then they should turn up the bucks and get the job they done. should I don't they think should. they would so you're tipping Melbourne will win by 50 points 50 points <laughs> jeez <laughs> alright fair enough um, oh jeez Robbo's lagging we just lost Nick um, I'm tipping the <laughs> pies because Nathan Buckley has this magical power of getting Collingwood up for one particular game and I think you know what Buck should do that he will get he should up suit for. up he should suit up Buck should start in the square oh he should play he should play fit enough is he Gordo imagine that uh, yeah. he should be the medical just, sub what do you reckon he should just be like this is what I've been telling you to do for the last 10 years this is how you do it and he wins BOG on Queen's birthday and rides off into the sunset See you later, he might go out swinging like Alistair Lynch we'll see Takes out Goodwin on the way through. What a spectacle. No, but get along and donate and make sure you buy the beanies because it's a really good cause. We love this game. So hope you guys enjoy it. And I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Again, apologies. We didn't have a guest today, but the interview with Mark Robinson will be next week. He is a busy man, Robbo. He's trying to firm up his internet connection and trying to get out uh, uh, articles before um, the deadline today because the the news of Nathan Buckley resigning is absolutely massive. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the show um, and take care of yourselves. Go the Tigers.